0: This podcast is brought to you by Reynolds & Reynolds, the industry leader in automotive technology. Learn more about Reynolds' online retailing approach by visiting rayraycom forward slash That's RUI, dot slash retail anywhere.
1: Welcome to Daily Drive for Monday, August 8th, 2022. I'm your host, Jamie Butters, Executive Editor
2: of Automotive News. And I'm Kellen Walker. Today on the show... EV tax credits clear the U.S. Senate as part of the Inflation Reduction Act, House lawmakers try to jumpstart legislation for self-driving cars, and embattled ex-Reynolds Reynolds CEO Bob Brockman dies at age 81. Plus, a conversation about what the Inflation Reduction Act could mean for the push to get more EVs on the road. Let's run through all the news you need to know to keep up in the auto industry.
1: The landmark tax, climate, and health care bill that includes expanded EV tax credits has cleared the U.S. Senate. The bill includes about $374 billion in climate and energy spending. It ends per manufacturer limits for the $7,500 tax credit for EVs. But the vehicles will have to be built in North America, and automakers will have to quickly end their reliance on China for battery components. Automakers, including General Motors and Ford, lobbied for changes to the EV incentive, but some companies say the bill's conditions might be too difficult to meet in the time required. The legislation now goes to the U.S. House, which is expected to send the bill
2: to President Biden's desk late this week. EV tax credits may be alive again on Capitol Hill, but it's less clear whether lawmakers will revive talks to boost self-driving vehicles two members of the House are launching a bipartisan effort to kickstart those talks again. Republican Congressman Robert Latta and Democratic Congresswoman Debbie Dingell say they are starting up a new autonomous vehicle caucus. The goal is to help educate fellow lawmakers on the importance of self-driving vehicles. Lawmakers have been divided for years over how to amend regulations to include self-driving cars, including the scope of consumer and legal protections. In 2017, the House passed legislation to speed the adoption of self-driving cars and bar states from setting performance standards, but the bill never passed the Senate.
1: Former Reynolds & Reynolds CEO Robert Brockman has died at age 81. Brockman built a multi-billion dollar fortune as a software entrepreneur who grew the dealership management system giant into a 5,000-person operation worth some $5 billion dollars. He was recently indicted in the largest tax evasion case ever against an individual, as well as on money laundering charges. A judge ruled in May that Brockman was competent to stand trial, with a trial date set for February of next year. Brockman's attorney said he was suffering from dementia, and in the end, he was undergoing
2: home hospice care. And loyalty to brands and dealerships continues to decline as consumers pay at or above manufacturers' suggested retail price. That's according to new research by Growth from Knowledge Automobility. According to the research, 80% of car buyers paid at or above the sticker price in May and June. On top of that, 31% of buyers who paid above sticker price said they would tell others not to go to the dealership that they used. 27% said they would not return to the dealership for service, and another 27% of responders said that they would not buy from the same brand if they were charged more than the sticker price. And those are today's headlines, Jamie. It looks like automakers like GM and Ford got what they wanted from the Inflation Reduction Act. It includes changes to the EV tax credits. But it also sounds like this is a complicated mixed bag for the industry. What are we still trying to sort out?
1: Yeah, the uh, North American manufacturing requirement definitely plays to the advantage of GM and Ford, but it's still a real challenge, especially for those outside of the companies, to realize and to just decipher which vehicles have batteries that will qualify for the tax credits come 2024 and 2025. Uh, We know that the imported vehicles and expensive ones will get ruled out very quickly, but what about... Cars like, you know, the the Bolt EV or the Cadillac Lyric. Will GM be able to get the batteries that will make those available for the
2: credit? A lot left to sort
1: out. Real challenging equation.
2: Coming up, we'll hear more about what the Inflation Reduction Act means for the auto industry from Levi Tillyman of Ample, whose mission is to accelerate the transition to electric mobility. That's
0: next on Daily Drive. Customer wants to sign documents remotely? No problem. Customer wants to provide documentation and their driver's license in person? No problem. Customer wants to have their vehicle delivered? No problem. There are a lot of steps to complete a car deal, but what happens when customers start online and end in-store, or vice versa? You need a seamless, consistent process to start work and finalize every vehicle purchase, no matter where the customer is. Chris Walsh, president of Reynolds & Reynolds, explains how. Retail anywhere is is powered by the retail management system. So the retail management system is the engine that that kind of makes this all work. And it's based on the premise that customers can be anywhere, right? They can be in-store, they can be at home, they can be a hybrid of both. It doesn't really matter, but it's a single process of interacting with that customer. And that's, you know, really important to be consistent in that way. And it's only achievable through a single system like the retail management system. Regardless of where the customer is buying from and how. Retail Anywhere focuses on streamlining dealership operations and improving profitability. For more information about this holistic approach to digital retailing, visit rayraycom forward slash That's R-E-Y, R-E-Y dot com slash retail anywhere.
1: Welcome back to Daily Drive. I'm Jamie Butters with Kellen Walker. EVs are playing a big role in Democrats' push to address climate change, That was reflected in the trillion-dollar infrastructure package that President Biden signed into law late last year, and now that push is getting another legislative boost from the Inflation Reduction Act, which could head to the president's desk by the end of the week. We're still sorting through winners and losers in the auto industry and trying to dissect the complicated likely effects of the legislation. On the latest edition of Shift, a podcast about mobility, our own Pete Bigelow talks with Levi Tilleman. Vice President of Policy and International Outreach at Ample. They discuss the legislation and what it means for Ample's vision to get a billion electric vehicles on the road globally. Here's part of their conversation.
3: Let's fast forward to last week when the Senate unveiled the Inflation Reduction Act, which has profound ramifications, I think, for electric vehicle developments in particular and reaching climate goals overall. What's your initial take on on, after reading the 721-page proposed bill? uh, Is this a substantial step forward?
4: Well, I would say my first take is industrial policy is back, baby, in a big way. I wrote a book called The Great Race, The Global Quest for the Car of the Future that published in 2015, and the main thesis of that book was that big innovations in heavy industries with long investment horizons require a policy catalyst to get off the ground. And what we see in the Inflation Reduction Act of 2022, or sometimes people call it the IRA, so I'm going to put that terminology out there. I'll probably say it again and again because Inflation Reduction Act is a little bit of a mouthful. But what we see in the IRA is one of the most interesting sophisticated and aggressive efforts at industrial policy that has been made outside of the people's republic of china in the last three or four decades the goal of the inflation reduction act of the ira is to bring as much electric vehicle manufacturing online as quickly as possible in the united states and north america more broadly and to provide really very aggressive incentives for consumers to purchase those vehicles that are manufactured in the North American area.
3: I'm curious, you used the word sophisticated. Is this uh, does this mark a, a new chapter of sorts, a more mature chapter in in US policy for climate?
4: I would say so. And I would say it also bears the fingerprints of one of its key architects, Senator Joe Manchin, of West Virginia. I have spent a lot of time with Senator Manchin's office over the past 18 months. And the message coming from Senator Manchin's staffers has been very clear. The senator is very concerned about relying on China and other countries that are not necessarily aligned with U.S. interests for the battery cells that are used to power electric vehicles and the components that are used to build electric vehicles he sees that as a key strategic weakness of the transition to clean energy and I think one thing that has always been exciting and it's been a you know promise of the transition to clean energy is that we're no longer going to rely on world oil markets that can be very capricious but I think Senator Manchin realized that if we're relying on China and Russia and other countries that are not necessarily friendly to the United States for the critical minerals and the components that are required to build electric vehicles, that doesn't put us in a better position than relying on the world oil market. Um, And so Senator Manchin really wanted to build a domestic EV manufacturing system that started with the precursors required to build battery cells and ended with a recycling system for electric vehicle batteries and components. And this bill takes huge strides um, in that direction. It's fascinating to read. Many of the things that we thought were important in building out a EV manufacturing ecosystem are represented in this bill. It is a bill that is going to require a lot of the automotive industry, it's going to require a huge amount of onshoring of U.S. manufacturing capacity. A Senator Manchin likes that because these are good blue-collar jobs. But you know, it, it could herald a massive transformation of the automotive and industrial ecosystem, not just for the United States but for the world.
3: Let's stay with Senator Manchin for just a second. You've had this bird's-eye view, you know, connecting with him in his office for some time. It seemed to strike a lot of people by surprise last week when when he and Senator Schumer reached an agreement on what this legislation would look like. A surprise to you, or give us an idea of what this bird's eye see his his uh looks like over the you know months or years that you've been involved.
4: Well, you know, it's really tough to say how clearly the senator's office understood their end game from the very beginning. That said the messaging out of Senator Manchin's office has been fairly consistent and fairly clear. He has always said, I am not walking away from a clean energy bill. And I think that it would be important to pass a significant clean energy package. Now that said, he has also consistently over the past 18 months, walked away from clean energy bills. And I think that people have been incredibly frustrated by this dynamic. A lot of people talk about Lucy with the football. I don't know if you remember that scene from Charlie Brown, where Charlie Brown is trying to kick the football and Lucy just pulls it away at the last second. And people felt like that was what Senator Manchin was doing with these various clean energy bills that were uh, being brought to the Senate. But you know, what ended up happening last week was absolutely fascinating. The Republican leadership basically made a threat to the Democrats that they were not going to support another critical piece of legislation um, surrounding semiconductor manufacturing, the CHIPS Act. And this is a 50 some billion dollar bill that seeks to onshore semiconductor manufacturing to the United States. And the reason for that is that things are getting kind of dicey in Taiwan. Taiwan manufactures about 90 percent of the semiconductors in the world. And China has been saber rattling and, you know, they've been intimating that they are going to retake Taiwan by force or through other avenues. That would put America in a position where we have a severe reliance on Chinese-based semiconductor manufacturing. Um, So Mitch McConnell was kind of blackmailing the Democratic leadership. And he said, I'm not going to support this CHIPS Act if you pass a reconciliation bill that pursues these clean energy and climate goals that you are planning on pursuing. Now, this is a little bit arcane, but hang with me for a second. The CHIPS Act requires a clean passage through normal order, which means that it can easily be filibustered. If there are not 60 some senators in support of it. And so if if Mitch McConnell got up and he told his people to block it, it would be fairly easy to block because it needed a super majority. The IRA only requires 50 senators because it's a budgetary bill. And so it's being passed through a process called reconciliation. What Manchin and Schumer did is they basically said to McConnell that they had killed the reconciliation bill. In response to that, McConnell, he allowed the passage of this huge CHIPS Act, and then four hours later, Manchin and Schumer sort of did the Lucy with the football trick, but this time to the Republicans, they turned around and they said, you know what, that reconciliation bill we said we weren't going to do, we are going to do it. And so Manchin really pulled off an incredible legislative coup, in fact, two incredible legislative coups uh, within the space of a number of hours um, last week. I mean, this is the kind of stuff that we just don't see in Washington.
1: Levi Tilleman is Vice President of Policy and International Outreach at Ample. He spoke with our own Pete Bigelow on the latest edition of Shift, a podcast about mobility. You can hear their entire conversation on Shift wherever you get your podcasts. That's Daily
2: Drive for today. I'm Jamie Butters. And I'm Kellen Walker. Thanks to Automotive News coordinating producer Jake Neer for his help on today's podcast. You can get the latest news on the Inflation Reduction Act, electrification, and everything happening in the auto industry at autonews.com. Come back tomorrow for a look at why industry forecasting is getting tougher.
1: If you enjoy the podcast, remember to like, leave a review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode.